Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, every year, Super Bowls have a special significance to me. About 15 years ago, Super Bowl in 1991, whatever Super Bowl that was, I was introduced to somebody who would forever change my life. And I was introduced at that time because I had a Super Bowl party and I had some friends over from the youth ministry area at Liberty University. And one of my friends brought his girlfriend and her, his girlfriend brought her roommate and her roommate was Lori. And uh, so she came to the party and immediately my attention was drawn to Lori because she just stood out from the rest of those girls there. They all seemed so immature and childish, but Lori was there. And I stood out to Lori because she thought that I had a nice microwave. (laughs) And so that was my first formal introduction to Lori. And of course, life would change after that. You know, relationships, and what you think about the relationships in your life, they all start with an introduction, don't they, to, to the person that you're meeting. And some of you right now can think back, if you want to, just go ahead, roll back the memory clock for a moment there, and think back to when you first met the person you love. All relationships begin with an introduction where you are formally introduced to that person. The same thing's true in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For each and every one of you, including myself, that relationship with Jesus Christ should have begun with a formal introduction. A formal introduction of some sort. So that's what we see here in John. John is going to, as we talk over the next few weeks as we go through this epistle, John's going to talk about the relationship with Jesus Christ. And to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, there needs to be a formal introduction. And so, in the first four verses, he gives us an introduction to who we're talking about here. To the person of Jesus Christ. And his significance to you and I. So let's notice verses 1 to 4. We're just going to look at four verses today and see how John begins, and what is known as the prologue to his epistle. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness, and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested to us. That which we have seen, And heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. Let's look at a few things here. First of all, let's look at a personal testimony. In order for you to formally introduce someone, so like if you and I were at a party and I wanted to introduce you to someone else, I need to know a little bit about you before I can introduce you to them. I at least need to know what your name is. I mean, how? how, think about it. If you were at a party with me and I said, Hey, I'd like you to meet. What's your name? You would, you would, that wouldn't be good, would it? 
And so he's going to talk to us about the relationship with Jesus. And so he's going to give a little bit of a personal testimony here about Jesus and the impact and what has happened in his life with this Jesus. He's going to show us who Jesus is. So I want you to notice the personal testimony. A couple things here. First thing, verse 1, he says, that which was from the beginning. So the point he's making here is this. He wants to make the point that he has always, always existed. So the point he's making here is that he has always existed. This kind of echoes back to what he said in his gospel. If you think about his gospel, all the way back in his gospel, in the very first chapter of John, he makes this statement. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So the first thing he wants us to know as he introduces this person, Jesus, to you and I, is that Jesus is not just another human being. Jesus is not just some great teacher. Jesus has always existed from the beginning. In fact, in John's Gospel, if you go on another verse there, he tells you that through him and by him, all things were created. Jesus has not just existed, Jesus is the creator. So as we understand, as I'm introduced to this person, Jesus, I need to comprehend and understand that he's more than just some teacher, more than just some, as some people would say, a tragic figure in life because he was sent to the cross to die for, really, for false accusations. He's God. Jesus is God. So what do you think about that? If you've been introduced to Jesus in your life, you need to get away from the concept that you have of Jesus and realize that he's always existed, that he's God. Always existed. Always existed. The next thing I want you to notice is that John wants to point out that he's not just introducing a myth to you. He's going to tell you that they saw him. Notice what he says. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. They saw him. He's not talking about, well, you know, I heard about this guy named Jesus who did all these wonderful things. I've never met him, but I understand he's a great guy. No, John says, look, as I'm writing this letter to you, I want to tell you about a guy that was from the beginning that I physically have heard him speak. I saw him. I saw him. I saw what he did. I saw the healings. I saw him feed the multitudes. I saw him raise the dead. I saw him as we were riding on a boat and the waves were coming up and the storm was raging and it looked like we were going to drown and he just got up and he said, be still. And everything calmed down. I saw him. See, John is making an introduction to somebody who impacted his life who he saw do wonderful things in his life. You know, let me just stop for a moment. There's a little side note here. As you are introducing people to Jesus, don't introduce them to a doctrine. Don't introduce them to just some blah facts. Introduce them to the person who works in your life. Tell them you saw him. Not his physical presence. But you saw his hand working in your life in many ways. Tell him that. Tell him that. They, they saw him. The other thing I want you to notice is this. 
that they touched him. Notice what he says. He's making a very important point here. And that our hands have handled. John wants to make the point that they touched him. That this was not just somebody who they heard from a distance in a crowd. This is someone that they personally interacted with. They touched him. What you see there is almost a, a, a picture of a personal relationship. This was someone that they hugged. This was someone that they, they, they shake hands with, that they held in their hands. Also, there's the picture of really beyond that, that this is someone that they touched after he rose from the dead. Think back again to his gospel where he gives the story in John chapter 20, verses 25 to 28, where Again, the story of Thomas. Remember doubting Thomas? Unless I touch his, you know, the prince and see, you know, unless I touch him, I won't believe. And of course, Jesus appears and he tells Thomas, look, touch, touch my hands. Put your hand in my side. And Thomas says, my Lord and my God. John's trying to make the point to you and I that I touched him. He is the resurrected Jesus. He's alive. He is alive. And He wants to interact in your life. He wants to be a part of your life and and to be there with you. But then John also makes this final point in his testimony there in those short verses. Notice what he says concerning the word of life. The life was manifested And we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What is John saying to us here? He's saying in his personal testimony about him that he's not just some wonderful guy. He is eternal life. He is eternal life. Look, you know, so many people are seeking paths to different levels of life or seeking spiritual fulfillment, seeking the meaning of life and everything. John says to us today that all of that is found in one person. And that one person is Jesus. And He was the Word of life. That life which was manifested. That life which was with the Father and was manifested to them. How was it manifested to them? His presence with them. His death on the cross. His resurrection. He was eternal life. See, listen, can I explain something to you? Eternal life is not just you praying a prayer. Sadly to say that in our circle of churches, we've reduced salvation down to making sure that you say the right words. Eternal life is an introduction to a person. Eternal life is an introduction to Jesus Christ. And it's not a question of whether or not you pray the right thing. The question is, do you know the right person? I don't know that I agree with you. Turn your Bibles real quick to John 17. John 17. And notice what he says here about eternal life in his great high priestly prayer. Verse 3. And this is eternal life. That they may know you. The only true God. And who? And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. See, coming to faith 
in Christ, coming to salvation, is not you just saying the right words. A lot of people say the right words, but that doesn't mean they're saved. It's coming to know the person of Jesus and embracing Him because you recognize that He is eternal life. That He, the Son of God, is the only way to heaven. And so I'm going to embrace Him and ask Him to come into my life. Not because I said the right words, but because I've entered into a relationship with Him. See, eternal life is a relationship with God. Eternal life is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because that's what he's saying here. John is saying to us, this guy was from the beginning. He's always existed. We've touched him. We heard him. We saw him. He's life. He's eternal life. So then now John gets to verse 3 and 4. and he Not only does he make the introduction now, a personal testimony in the introduction, he gives an invitation to us. He, he says, here, I want to introduce you to this guy named Jesus. But John goes one step further and he says, I not only want to introduce him to you, I want to invite you to have a relationship with him. See, that's radical, isn't it? Because when you and I, when we introduce someone, it's really up to those two people whether or not they have a relationship, isn't it? See, if we were at a gathering or something, and, you know, Art's there with me, and we meet Sam over here, and I say, Art, I'd like you to meet Sam. Sam, I'd like you to meet Art. Now, whether or not Art and Sam get together later on, that's up to them, isn't it? And it would be totally inappropriate for me to say, Art, I'd like for you to have a relationship with Sam. Sam, I know you're busy, and you've got all the friends you need right now. I'd like you to have another friend named Art. Now, that would be so radical, we wouldn't even think of that, would we? That's almost like weird. Both of you would look at me and say, what got into him? But that's what John's doing here. John is saying to us, guys, I've just introduced you to the most wonderful person in the world. I'm inviting you to have a relationship with him. I'm inviting you to interact with him on a deeper level. So he makes a couple of points here that he wants us to see. Because notice what he's saying here in the invitation. He says this, You are invited to fellowship with God. Notice what he says. Verse 3, That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. You are invited to fellowship with God. Think about that. He's not just introducing me to God. He's saying to me, guys, I'm introducing you to the most wonderful person in the world, the creator of the universe himself, but I'm not just introducing him to you. I want to tell you that you can have a relationship with him. You can fellowship with him. You can have a friendship with him. Isn't that an awesome thought? I mean, think about it. You know, I sit down in my office waiting for the president to call. No, I'm serious. He, I don't sit down there and wait for him to call. But I do wait for other calls, but not from him. But, but think about that for a moment. If, if I got the call, the big call, the White House staff calls and says, uh, Pastor George, we'd like to invite you to have lunch with the president. 
I would say, well, let me check my... No, I wouldn't do that, would you? I'd say, I'll clean my calendar. I would not go. And let's say this far out thing that he has lunch with me. And he talks with me about spiritual things. Forget the political stuff, I wouldn't have any clue. But spiritual things, and then he says, okay, thank you. I could tell you that I had lunch with the president. And that would be a significant thing, would it not? But I couldn't say that I had a friendship with him, could I? Because even though you may have lunch with the president, as wonderful and as spectacular that is, whoever the president might be, there's no relationship there, is it? Probably would be a formal thing, and from what I understand, I'd have to wear a coat and tie. So dig those out of the mothballs. Lori, help me pick the tie out. You know, and, and then go have lunch with him. But I couldn't say, because when I say something like, well, I had lunch with the president, that doesn't mean that I, that doesn't denote a level of intimacy there, does it? Because that just doesn't happen. But what John's trying to communicate to you and I is, is that you and I, as he introduces us to the person of Jesus Christ, the person of God himself in human flesh, he's saying, I invite you to fellowship with him. Isn't that an awesome thought? Because salvation, again, is more than just a prayer. It's more than just getting that fire insurance thing taken care of, making sure that I'm not going to hell stuff. It's a living relationship with a living God. That's what salvation is. Salvation is a living relationship with a living God, and John invites us to be a part of that. You know, some of you here, can I be honest with you? I'll just be flat out honest with you. The reason why you're so defeated in your spiritual lives is because you've reduced Christianity down to doing stuff. What do you mean doing stuff, George? Well, I mean things like you reduce Christianity to whether or not you have your devotions. And if you don't have your devotions, oh my, I'm a terrible Christian. You've reduced it down to your attendance in church. And let me just stop for a moment. It's important that you come to church. Come to church. Be here. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But you've reduced it down to doing stuff. Can I be honest with you? It'll never be fulfilling. Because it's not doing stuff. Christianity is a person. And it's a relationship with a person. It's you having a relationship with the living God. And that's what He wants to introduce to you. He wants to say to you that you are invited to fellowship with God. So let me ask you something. Be a part of your life. I'm not just talking about salvation because you could be saved here and be distant from Him. But do you have a relationship with Him? Do you interact with Him? Do you cry out to Him? Do you share your hurts with Him? Do you share your joys with Him? Aren't those all part of a relationship? You're invited to have a friendship with God. But he goes a little bit further. In that same verse 3, he tells us this. You are invited to fellowship with other believers. You're invited to fellowship with other believers. See, because that's all part of the relationship with God, is that when I enter into a relationship with Him, I'm not just entering into a relationship with Him, I'm actually entering into a family. A family of other people who have a relationship with Him. It's like, 
You know, it's not just like an exclusive thing, it's like a group thing. Remember that? Remember? Can you think back to high school? Think back to high school. Some of you are in high school. But I want you to think back to high school for a moment. Think about, because high school is like an extreme, isn't it? Because in high school, you've got all these different groups of people, all these different groups of kids that are hanging out together, and then you've got people who are trying to fit into different groups. Remember that and the, the anguish of that? And thank goodness we got out of high school. But isn't the rest of life like that anyhow? Wanting to be accepted by different groups of people? And John, as he introduces us to this person of Jesus and he invites us to have fellowship with God and Jesus, he's inviting us to have fellowship with other believers. Notice what he says. He says this, verse 3, That which we have seen and heard we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. He's inviting you into a family. Hey, you know what? Can I be honest with you? Somebody who says, well, I don't need to go to church. I can just stay home and turn on the TV and worship God at home. Or better yet, I don't need to go to church. I can, I can just sit in the deer stand and worship God. Yes, you can. And yes, you can worship God at home. But see, there's more to it than that. The relationship is also a relationship with others. And coming to church is not just sitting down and letting some talking head like myself talk to you. It's interacting with other believers in that relationship. And as you guys grow in your relationship with each other, you grow in your relationship with God. So he invites you to be a part of that. The other thing and final thing I want you to notice is is this. Your joy is complete in Jesus. Your joy is complete in Jesus. Notice what he says, verse 4. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. The word full there has the meaning of completion. That your joy may be complete. Now, for some of you, what I just said sounds like a foreign language. Say, what do you mean, George? Because I want you to think for a moment, because when you look at your life, and I would say to you, is your life marked by joy? I'm not talking about happiness. Happiness and joy are two different things. Is your life marked by joy, and is your joy complete in your life? You'd have to say to me, very honestly, no. And I don't even know what you're talking about. See, this is what John's trying to tell us. He's saying, I'm introducing you to the person of Jesus and I'm inviting you to have fellowship with Him and I'm inviting you to have fellowship with Him because your joy is complete in Him. Isn't that something? Look, Think about it. We try to fill the joy void in our life with so many different things. For me, I try to fill it with cheeseburgers and Diet Pepsi and, and uh, pizza and for you it might be chocolate. Others try to fill it with other things. Maybe it's sex or alcohol or drugs. But the reality is, is that there's only one thing that will fulfill that joy. And that's Jesus. He says, I write these things to you. I'm introducing this person of Jesus to you so that your joy may be full, complete. 
The story comes out of communist China. A Christian went to China and saw a pastor of a fast-growing Baptist church. The man from the West asked how he went about his evangelism. The answer was a surprise. The Christian Chinese pastor said this. He said, I don't do much searching out of people. They come to me. The reason became obvious during the Cultural Revolution from 1966 to 68. This man was conscripted to work in a soul-destroying factory. He was making parts for radios. He was not allowed to speak about Christ to anyone at all. But he whistled while he worked. That was significant for no one else in the factory could summon up the joy to whistle. Because they were all there under forced labor conditions. But he whistled. When the Cultural Revolution ended, the man was returned to his work as a pastor. Now there was a steady trickle of people from the factory knocking on his door. They wanted to find out the secret of his joy. They wanted to find out why he could have joy in the midst of those terrible circumstances. And if it could carry him through those unpleasant circumstances, it must be worth hearing. Is that the kind of joy you have? Does it carry you through the difficult circumstances and difficult trials and problems that you have in your life? And we all face them, do we not? We don't ask for them. They sometimes just there. John says, I want to invite you to a, to a relationship with the living God so that your joy can be full. Three things I want you to think about as we close this message. Number one, you've got to ask yourself a question. Is your life marked by joy? Be honest. You don't have to say, no! I don't, sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes it isn't obvious because we hide it, don't we? Is your life marked by joy? Are you complete in your life? Is it marked by joy? Or is there an emptiness there that you're trying to fill with all the other stuff? Can I be honest with you? You won't fill it. If anything, that just gets bigger, doesn't it? Is your life marked by joy? The other question you have to ask yourself is this. Have you met Jesus and accepted Him into your life? Have you met Him? Have you met Jesus? Have you really met Him in your life? See, that's what John is wanting to introduce us to is this relationship and friendship with the living God. And then finally... Accept the invitation. Accept the invitation. Now when I say this, I'm not just talking to people here who maybe don't know Jesus Christ and who are not saved, who have not trusted in Jesus Christ as their Savior. I'm not just talking about them. And yes, I am talking to you in this sense that you need to come to Christ for salvation. You need to come to Him and give your life to Him and let Him come into your life so that your joy can be full. Yes, I am talking to them, but I'm also talking to someone else here. I'm also talking to the person who has accepted Jesus Christ into their life, who, who has accepted Him into their life as Lord and Savior, but that's it. There is no relationship. I'm, I'm talking to you because you also need to accept the invitation in your life 
to a relationship with a living God so that your joy can be full. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.